Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we'll be talking more about your newborn, the mammal. Last week, for the first part of this two-part show, we discussed mammal behavior and instincts surrounding birth and breastfeeding. Today, we're going to talk about how your mammal baby sleeps and starts eating solids, as well as the non-event of weaning from breastfeeding. Diane Wiesinger is back to tell us more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by the first eight days of being a mom, a day-by-day manual on taking care of the new mom as well as her newborn. Get a 10% discount by going to thefirst8days.com slash birthful. That's with the number eight, thefirst8days.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mamas and mamas-to-be. I want to thank you once again for all the love you're giving the show. And here's a quick reminder that it would be super helpful if you could rate the show on iTunes. So to do that, go to birthful.com slash review, click on the view in iTunes link, then click on ratings and reviews and give us as many stars as you think we deserve. And if you want to add some lovely words in there, I will be forever grateful. So all it takes is one link and three clicks starting from birthful.com slash review. Thank you so, so much. Okay, so last week, Diane Wiesinger had so much great info that it was a crime to try and stuff it all into one episode. And so this two-part show was born. In part one, which you should go and listen to first if you haven't already, which was, you know, from last week, we talked about the na- the natural behavior of human mammals during birth and breastfeeding, how the two are intricately connected, and how supporting your baby's behaviors and instincts can make life with a newborn so much easier. Today, we're going to be looking at baby sleep as well as when and how to introduce solids and the process of weaning from breastfeeding. In case you didn't go back to listen to part one of this two-part show, I'll quickly tell you that Diane Diane Wiesinger holds bachelor's and master's degrees in biology and ecology and evolutionary biology and is a longtime La Leche League leader as well as international board certified lactation consultant. She is co-author of the eighth edition of La Leche League International's The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding and the book Sweet Sleep, Nighttime and Naptime Strategies for the Breastfeeding Family. Okay, here we go. Here's Diane again. A year ago, year and a half ago, I finished along with um, three co-authors a book called Sweet Sleep, which we wrote because everybody out there is saying, don't sleep with your baby, you'll kill your baby. Wrong. Um, Mothers and babies have always slept together. Babies uh, aren't as, as stable if they're not with their mothers. They're built to be human babies. They're built to be with their mothers 24-7 at, at the start. Um, the prohibitions have to do partly with just furniture. Um, our furniture isn't, isn't necessarily built for mothers and babies. Um, and partly we've had generations of bottle-fed babies, and those mothers don't respond to their, their babies the way nursing mothers do. Um, we're we're in touch with our babies all night long. We, we the position that we use is a very protective one: one arm above the baby, knees below. The baby's in a kind of cove that we curl around. The bottle-fed baby isn't in that cove. Um, 
you know, we're checking their temperature. We're not even waking up to do a lot of these things. The baby gets our breathing and, and movements, which stimulate him to keep him um, adequately roused. And what we came up with in the book is um, seven things. If you have those in place, um, then you're good to go. And as one researcher said, the risk of SIDS with these seven things in place is vanishingly small. And the risk of suffocation is virtually eliminated. So the seven things, mm-hmm. and you know immediately if you are or aren't these things, um, non-smoking, sober, which means you don't have anything that's going to, going to impair your normal waking and sleeping, um, breastfeeding, that means you you and your baby see your breast as the go-to restaurant. Um, the baby is healthy, not um, not in need of hospitalization. There are ways to deal with that too, so that's not a a non-starter. But there's I, I'd have to give more information on that. Does preemies uh, count on that too? Saying, preemies, you know, preemies are fine if they're able to defend themselves in bed or if you wear them in a wrap and you can look up kangaroo care and you'll get information on wearing your baby at night. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So healthy, we can kind of waffle on that one. Baby on his back. The research is about babies who are alone on their backs and your baby is with you. There's a, a, a growing sense, so there's no hard research yet that if your baby's with you, it doesn't matter what position he's in. Certainly if he's if he's on his stomach on your on your chest, that's where he's that's where he's happiest. Um but for now we're saying uh roll your baby onto his back if you when you think of it. Um uh, not overheated. That means no heavy, heavy, no the the blanket sleeper under your covers, um, no swaddling. Swaddling keeps a baby from being able to move away from you if he wants, and it keeps him too warm. Absolutely no swaddling in bed. Um, and then a safe surface. And a safe surface is, you know, no cords around, no no gaps where the baby can get stuck. Um, uh, the mattress isn't super saggy. Uh, just a common sense safe surface and if i can end with a song now most mothers have already sorted themselves out non-smoking check sober check you know you don't have to remember these seven but if you put them in a song it goes like this no smoke sober mom baby at your breast healthy baby on his back keep him lightly dressed not too soft a bed watch the cords and gaps keep the covers off his head for your nights and naps that is fantastic. <laughs> that's, we got a song even. That's fantastic. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So that's a plug for the book, Sweet Sleep, uh, Nighttime and Naptime Solutions for the Breastfeeding Family. This is for breastfeeding families. It covers everything, including the controversy and why this prohibition for all mothers makes no sense at all. Mm-hmm. Was that is connected with Teresa Pittman as well? The other authors on it are uh, Diana West, Linda Smith, and Teresa Pittman. The other must-have book is The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding, which goes back to 1958, was the first edition. We wrote the eighth edition, and it's me, Diana West, and Teresa Pittman. Uh, They're both, I I have to say, they're both excellent must-have books for your library. Mm -hmm. I agree. However... 
uh, to bring this full circle, um, you can go light on the breastfeeding material if, first of all, you don't take anyone's word for anything, and if you focus on having a really um, peaceful uh, birth where you're in control of the circumstances. That helps that slide into breastfeeding. And if you focus on getting some good help with the birth, the breastfeeding is much more likely to just fall into place. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's seamless. It's the, it's the one thing goes to the other. The birth is not done but, until you're feeding. That's right. That's yeah. right. You have to that's deliver the, the baby, the placenta, and the goods. <laughs> <laughs> colostrum and then the milk. Yes. Fabulous. And I just want to remind the, the listeners or let the listeners know that in the in terms of the Safe, Safe Sleep 7, one of the first podcasts that I did um, over a year ago was with Teresa Pittman on, oh, on the Safe Sleep 7. So please follow up uh, this one with that one if you want more information on that. And now I have one last quick question, though. On the, on the thing of swaddling. Yes. Are you saying no swaddling in general? Are you saying like, is there a benefit to swaddling or what are the counters to the negative to swaddling? You know, the research on it is really mixed. When you're bed sharing, no swaddling. When you're using a sidecar and bringing the baby into your bed and putting no swaddling because the baby's going to leave the sidecar and end up in your bed. Uh, the baby that you're that has to sleep alone out of out of contact with other humans which is a very abnormal situation it may be that swaddling makes that baby feel better swaddling is not the demon that um, many of us thought it was and it's not the the all-purpose solve it all that many people thought it was it has its place for some babies in some circumstances, but where babies are built to be is on your body. They're full front against you um, and carried with you wherever you go. Slings, uh, front carriers, Mai Tai. Uh, am I saying that right? Mai Tai? Um, Mai Tai. That sounded like <laughs> <Mai> a drink. <laughs> I know. I thought, I'm not getting that right. But some kind of a soft carrier where the baby's on your body. Um do that and your baby is getting a world of stimulation that the ba the swaddled baby does not get. You want to have a good, smart baby, interactive baby, just cart him around with you. Find a way to wear it. And it makes your life easier too. It makes your life a lot easier <laughs> yeah. and a happier baby. Yeah. So now we're going to be talking a little bit about solids. What is the mammalian relationship with solids? Well, I when I was doing this talk on what what mammals do, uh, and I got to the part about solids, and it occurred to me that mammal mothers don't feed their babies outside of nursing them. Um, they the babies eat solids when they eat solids, and uh, in my in my talk at conferences, I talk about the gorilla mother that I watched in a zoo starting her toddler on solids. What she did was um, pick up the food 
she wanted and she sat down and started to eat paid no attention to her baby except that she never lost touch one foot was always on that baby but otherwise she was just eating and uh, the baby thought oh I think I'd like to nurse and he started to sort of scramble up her belly well it was a big belly and she wasn't helping she was eating and he thought, oh, heck with it. And he slid back down. And then she kept on eating. A piece of food fell from her mouth. And he picked it up. And he looked up at her. And he put it in his mouth. And he spat it out. And she just kept on eating. I thought, she is starting him on solids. She is saying, I have made food available. You can nurse. You can eat the food that I have chosen. It's up to you. I don't care what you do. Feed yourself. And this is what happens in almost every other mammal. Um, a wolf will go so far as to regurgitate food for her her puppies but she doesn't feed it to them she just makes it available i'm told that meerkats which often eat scorpions will uh, kill a scorpion and make it available to the babies and then later she'll offer wounded scorpions and then they're on on their own to go get their own scorpions but so there's a little bit of help there but for the most part when a baby a mammal is physiologically ready for solids on the inside he has become ready on the outside he can sit up on his own in the case of of humans he can sit up he can see something that he wants to put in his mouth reach for it pick it up put it in his mouth move it from front to back like it and reach for something more that's quite a series of of events that have to take place before i mean those are his defenses um, for keeping food out at an inappropriate time so he has to be able to put all those links into place and then he can put it into a body that is now physiologically ready to handle it. Early solids, the baby doesn't get it, much of anything out of them. They replace a really solid source of nutrition. I think the reason people are saying start solids around four months is that we're learning that babies need a solid foundation of breastfeeding underlying the addition of solids and mothers in our culture wean so early that I think part of the move to earlier solids is to at least catch them while they're still doing some nursing. Yeah, this reminds me of the notion that's been popping up more and more, makes sense, of the sort of, it's called like baby-led weaning, and it's not, the name is bad, because it's not right. about weaning from the breast, which it's, that's the bad part of it, but it's more like baby-led, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, about, it's about slow, it's the process of separating from the breast onto solid foods, and uh, it's it's that interface which can last i mean it lasts for years literally in normal circumstances the baby probably starts picking up months and stops nursing sometime after two and a half um but yeah that whole process uh if you make food available to the baby and he picks it up he's going to go for a big chunk because his manual skills aren't great yet and he'll kind of gnaw on that big chunk um, like oh, a pear, say, or um, a, a lightly cooked carrot that he can, um, that's, that's not going to get caught in his, th in his throat, but it's got a handle. Things that have handles make good starter foods, a piece of banana. Um, 
and he'll gnaw on it if he gets it to the he'll he'll get it in at the speed he wants and the side no every, he's in control um if he gets it to the back of his throat and and doesn't want it there he'll gag gagging is a normal reflex you can even see a baby gag and then smile and gag and smile he's not upset by it it's his way of getting food back to the front of his mouth Ch uh, choking is what you avoid by gagging uh, when you put food in a baby's mouth you you're more likely to have him gag uh, because you're not putting it in the place where he wants it to be at that moment if you think about somebody feeding you it's it's not pleasant it's you'd rather do it same way and uh, they may sample something and then not eat anything for another month they may um, one woman said her baby's first solid food was dead flies off the windowsill his choice <laughs> he seemed to, he seemed to like him but he started on his terms and usually it's not much before around the middle of the first year but it's not something you have to do if you have your baby at the table um, in your lap or in a chair that pushes right up to the table, he's going to want to eat what you eat. And that's another mammal thing. The smart baby mammal isn't going to make food choices on his own. He's going to eat what the grown-ups are eating. So the baby mm -hmm. in a high chair with, with uh, stewed prunes in front of him, when everybody else is having you know, grown-up food, he's going to be a little suspicious of the stewed prunes. So baby at the table, appropriate food put in front of him. And he eats, he doesn't eat, it's his choice. He's still nursing. He'll take up the slack that way. But yeah, baby-led weaning, if people wanted to uh, Google that. Jill Rapley is the woman who, who coined that phrase. And um, it works fine. It can be really disruptive to a baby to have his hands held and food put in his mouth on somebody else's terms. That's, that's hard. That's hard on a baby. So what are your thoughts on, uh, what, how do you feel about the, the phrase that we hear often that um, food is just for play during the first year, that actual breastfeeding is the nutrition and then you just, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I know one mother whose baby fell upon solid foods with shouts of glee. <laughs> and I... I know others who didn't touch him till 18 months. Um, it's not a big deal either way. Just if he likes him, he'll eat him. And if he doesn't like him, that's fine too. Uh, mothers will sometimes say, you know, my baby is a year and a half old and hardly eating any solids at all. Is that okay? Well, is he nursing? Okay. Gaining? Fine. Uh, there was a little girl in Kansas. I don't know why I remember Kansas years back who was desperately allergic to everything except human milk. And when she was three, she was exclusively human milk fed. They started getting donor milk for her. When she was eight, she was exclusively human milk fed, beginning to be a little kind of overbuilt because you're not supposed to get that much growth hormone for that long. Uh, they thought maybe when she hit... Um, puberty she might be able to handle the hormonal changes it might improve and it did she had her first school lunch at, at uh, she started some solids at 10 I think and had her first school lunch a couple of years after that um, bright beautiful um, taking college courses in high school and uh, she did it for years and years and years till I think around 10 
exclusively human milk fed. So 18 months, I think you're doing okay there. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll get there, you know, if they're, I don't know if they break out in a rash with solids or something dire, uh, you know, at 18 months, well, you can investigate, but the fact that your child just re- isn't really into it, that's, that's normal. They get there, keep them at the table, keep, keep the food available and keep nursing. Mm-hmm. As long as you're nursing, you've got a hundred percent nutrition going in and the rest is, the rest is fun. Yeah. Can we speak about the the weaning age? Because I know this goes hands in hand, in hand of like mammalian behavior and what other humans do in other parts of the world. <laughs> well, we have, as far as I know, there's only one piece of research on it. And it's not exactly research. It was done by an anthropologist who looked at the age at which other mammals wean. Uh compared to biological landmarks, like when do they wean in relation to when they get their first permanent molars, in relation to gestation length, sexual maturity, immune system, birth weight. You know, is it when they quadruple their birth weight? Is it, you know, before their molars come in? And so on. And she she checked those landmarks for a number of mammals, including higher primates, and then compared the biological Uh, milestones with those in humans and what she came up with was a range a normal weaning window sort of between two and a half and seven years Uh, so kind of the under edge of that of that range is two and a half years we're talking years not months and an upper edge most kids have stopped nursing by the time they're somewhere in seven so if you want to talk extended nursing you're talking eight-year-olds Anything under that is pretty normal unless it's too far under two and a half. And then it's, you could call it a premature weaning. And some of the mothers, the women who aren't yet mothers, again, are saying, ah, (laughs) no, no, no. This is not a newborn you're nursing. This child may be nursing, oh, when they get up into the four or so, maybe once a day, once a week, once a month. I know as my own trailed off. It was every couple of months. I'm not sure, frankly, of the year that my second one stopped nursing because it just it just trickled out so gradually. Um, it's a non-event. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what it's meant to be is a non-event. It happens as it happens. And the babies who wean themselves at 18 months, there's cultural pressure in there most likely, on the mother, on the child, something in there is saying, okay, this is enough. But um, it's such a fabulous mothering tool. I mean, once your baby has stopped, child has stopped nursing altogether, you have to have other tools. (laughs) And you can cure so much by sitting down to nurse, Um, you know, spills, falls, um, scares, uh, illness, you know, no. And I like things, how you things <laughs> things go better with nursing. <laughs> things go better with nursing, absolutely. And I like how you the, the concept of the non-event, both for the weaning and the introduction of solids. Like it's not, oh, today and then next week we're trying another thing and the next week we're trying like sweet potatoes and now we're trying it's just like hmm have it happen whenever as it happens and see yeah. and pay attention for allergies, but Mm-hmm. But, you know, part of the allergy thing, too, was babies who were starting before they should. 
babies who were being given solids before they were ready to pick up solids. So you avoid a lot of that muss and fuss. Um, quantity, uh, one new food per week, all of that goes by the board when a baby is doing this himself at an age where he's able to do it himself. So yeah, everything's a lot easier. Spoons, you know, they can play with spoons. You can spoon feed a little here and there, but it's mainly his job to do, picking it up with his hands and putting it in his mouth. And practicing all those good fine motor skills and big motor skills and Swallowing and chewing and yes. <laughs> picking up the peas, and then you find pea skins at the other end. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Fantastic. Diane, thank you so, 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 so much for this wonderful talk today. Um, what is it? Remind us of your website, too, because that's one way to, they can get more info. Okay. My website uh, is in dire need of updating. Um, however, the information on it is timeless. Uh, the information hasn't changed. It's just that the website is kind of rickety. It's uh, normalfed.com. Normalfed, all one word, dot com. Because what you're doing with your baby is absolutely normal and nothing, there's no rocket science to it. Fantastic. Thanks again. This has been lovely. Thank you again, Adriana. This was fun. Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter. And even better, become a part of the Birthful community by subscribing at birthful.com. You'll get access to exclusive goodies, including the Birthful Mamas group. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One, did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.